Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 326 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Eduardo Fornelay of Studio Coba about their narrative-driven, reality-bending action-adventure game, Narita Boy, which is published by Team 17. I had a fantastic chat with Eduardo, and we really shared a lot about our collective memories of video games for uh, Narita Boy set in an alternate 1980s, where this very Apple Mac looking, really early Mac looking computer is like dominates and it, it's it's something weird is happening and yeah you get drawn into this whole strange yet very, how can I put it poignant story about love and loss and mourning and it's a very 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 well made game, very well crafted. A lot of a lot of love has gone into making Narita Boy and it's such an honour to have Ed on to chat about how it came to be. And there's a lot more, more I can say about the game, really. I think really it's best if Ed tells you himself rather than me expand on it. He, he, it's a very personal experience, yet also a very important one. And there's there's a word. So, without further ado, Let's listen to me from the past chatting to Ed about Narita Boy. Chris, take it away. Ed. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? I'm fine, thanks. I was just working, developing games right now. Okay. I found out we are, yeah, basically working. But I'm fine, thank you. No, the question was, who are you and what do you do? How who I am? Yes. My name is Ed Fornieles. Yeah. I'm a Barcelona Spanish game dev. Yeah. Um, mainly I'm pixel artist, storyteller, 
uh, animator, uh, game designer, and, and person. <laughs> so basically, this is me, passionate of games. So in Spain, and I don't know if the listeners know this, but Spain has had a long, long storied history of video game development, I'm happy to say, especially in the 8-bit era. It was very prolific, uh, and I know this, I know this, especially on the Amstrad and things like that. There was some extraordinary, um, until still to this day, um, there's been, you know, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So, and it's great to see this being continued on. Ed. So uh, we're going to delve into that maybe a little bit later on in this interview. But before we do, I need to ask you, how did you make your start making video games? Okay, my my parkour, my, my story as a game developer is not, uh, not as old. I mean, um, my, my background mainly is uh, animation, I come from the animation industry, but since I moved back to Japan, started working as concept artist, uh, world builder for some games company, um, and I'm, I'm a huge player myself. So it's like six, seven years ago, I started in the games industry. I completely fell in love, and suddenly I realized I could make games by my own, and it just mattered to start making it. So my background is quite short comparing with my animation background, for example. Yeah. Excellent. And seven, six or seven years, that was like after. Sorry, Chris. Sorry, yeah. Chris. Um, can you listen to me? Yeah, we can hear. Yeah, yeah. Oh, perfect. Sorry. For a while, that's... I just I couldn't listen. Can you repeat, please? Yes. Um, that's a very important period, like six, seven years ago, because that was after the explosion of indie indie game development. It was post Super Meat Boy and iOS being released and Xbox Live Arcade being a thing. It was a a major roadblock. Prior to that, you needed you had to get through a lot of barriers to make and publish video games and then Steam arrived. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are um, and it's great you know and it's now you know it's well known that without it we would not have games like papers please we know that we know that and we would be worse off for it you know or indeed Narita Boy which we'll talk about in a moment but before we do um, and it's great that you have a background in animation because it shows so well and there's one question I do have later on about that aspect of Narita Boy, but we're going to keep my powder dry for that before we delve into that, because this next question, Ed, is difficult to answer. I'm not going to lie to you. Every guest I've had on finds this a tough one. It's not personal or difficult in that sense, or emotional. It may be emotional, actually, but it's really about what drives you as a creator. What are your biggest influences, do you believe? What are the things you draw on more than anything else, whether it's willing or unwilling or unconscious or conscious? Uh, what do you think they are the things that you as a creator, and you can ask not only as personally, but also for Studio Coba. So, um, in my case, when I was about to, when I got the idea to develop game, um, the game I wanted to make is the game I wanted to play. Then I started digging in my own 
uh, influence and, and, and in my own experience. And I wanted to talk about nostalgia from my point of view, what I remember when I was a kid and I, I were playing uh, eight bits consoles or just uh, arcade uh, in arcade cabinets in some bars. And, and, and really I have this in mind. Um, and, and I just started exploring from that point. I know it's kind of very abstract, but Narita Boy now has the feeling of nostalgia because it's, it, it was my main, my main kind of uh, bullet, my, you know, the, my main starting point of nostalgia. Right. So it's looking back on what you remember of the arcade um, halls of old, which now are very rare. They do exist, but in really small pockets, and they're normally now like you know, enclaves of some enthusiast has started to make some arcade cabinet thing, and then has created this space and where other people can visit. That's at least I can speak for the UK. I think suspect it's the same throughout Western Europe and and North America. But you're right. I'm. I remember those days. I remember going into those strange arcades and just being overwhelmed with the sounds and and screens and movement and the half-broken machines sometimes and sometimes not. And and it does evoke... So really, you're saying you're inspired by the feeling, the yeah. feeling of what you remember. And we're definitely going to delve into that because that's something that's being poked at quite a lot at the moment for good or and bad sometimes and i'm saying definitely for narita boy it's for good i'm going to explain why i believe that to be the case later on but uh that's wonderful to actually just focus on well what did it feel like what was it like really what was it like going with a bag full of you know coins knowing that most of those would be chewed up by after playing a video game for a minute <laughs> you know it 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 was quite galling at the time that you know uh it was a thing that we accepted that video games were designed in such a way that they would take your money from you but that's not really what this is about you're know, we talking about this year the, the experience the smells the sounds it's the yeah. sounds it's the yeah. sounds isn't it yeah in my case i remember it was a frankfurt bar and it smells kind of sausage and I remember the, the, the ashtray because some cabinets have uh, ashtray for cigarettes. And, and I have really, it's kind of, it's a kind of warm nest in, in my heart. I really, I, I really um, uh, feel a lot of nostalgia. Um, even in, in the game, for example, there's a moment that the Lionel's, the creator's memories, um, when it's, it's a third voice, it's a voiceover kind of through dialogues, the guy is talking. And he experienced passed through emotions, the smell, the sounds of the grasshoppers. And I, I wanted to dig in when people plays have this feeling of, ah, I miss my own past. I miss the, the nostalgia, I, you know, that feeling. And this is, the, the, for me, the main then of Narita Boy. Yeah, yeah. But it does go to other places as well. But, uh, yeah, it's a great thing to be drawn to and be inspired by why not? One's own past and others sort of, that's great. So my next question, uh, again, another tough one. It does get, you know, they get more and more difficult as we go along. It's a bit like a video game in that regard. But um, 
This next question is this, uh, and again, uh, I'll just break it down for you if you need clarification on it. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Can you repeat just a, a yeah, few? Yeah, yeah, sure. What, yeah, yes, right. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Yeah. I like very much uh, Phil Fish, I think, the guy from Fez. Yeah. Yeah. I, he, yeah. I really think he's a genius. Mm. I, I mean, I'm not saying I support his attitude or whatever, but as a game developer, at what he creates, um, the vision, how to, to chase that vision, I think it's, I really admire him. I think Fez is, is a super good game. It's amazing. Really. People don't really, unless you've, because you 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 have to play it twice over. You have to do the hundred percent, and then you have to do it again. To, it's it's extraordinary experience. I I haven't finished. I really <laughs> it's super difficult. Yeah. But just just the the, the taste the the retro feeling you got later after yeah. playing. That wow, yeah. this mind is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, it's way more than it comes across. You think, oh, yeah. I've got this. When just when you moment, so that's the beauty of game design. When you just when you think you figured it out. It then pulls the carpet underneath you and goes, no, you have no idea what this game is. Exactly, it, exactly. He's always a step uh, forward. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't treat you like an idiot or as a no. It treats you like a smart person. You yes. are, but he's smarter than you, and you feel it all the time, all the time. So and I, I, yeah, yeah, I admire that. I love it when video games do not assume that the player is a moron. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, yeah. And you'd think that's not too much of an ask, but apparently it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are yeah. to yeah. the play. It's very important, yeah. yeah. As the same way, I don't... I, I don't uh, when I talk with my son, I, I try to don't sound idiot, like he's an idiot talking to him. I don't treat my son like an idiot. I try to talk to him like a grown, an adult in process. So I, I, I want the same respect when I play game. They don't treat me like... You know, like moron. Yeah, it's a tricky one because there's a difference between ignorance and stupidity. <laughs> and you just have to understand what that is. And people still don't to this day. But that's a whole. But that's a wonderful response. I mean, Fez is still, rightly so, celebrated as one of the greatest games that's been released in in you know, and it's just it's up there with Braid and stuff like that. But uh, it's interesting. A lot of the people make behind the scenes and people. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of broken. Like, look, look, look at Minecraft. No, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> and Minecraft's a fabulous game, don't get me wrong, but the, yeah, let's, um, let's not talk about the poor, unfortunate fellow who made it. Um, so, but yeah, you, we celebrate their art, celebrate what they've done. And uh, it is a shame how Phil suddenly got a bit antsy and uh, marched off and took his took his ball away and then walked out, walk, walked away from everything um, it's, it's his prerogative but uh, yeah Fez is something we should all celebrate I think yeah. speaking of celebrating video games I've got my last question for the first half see look you made it well done <laughs> and this one <laughs> should be quite easy should be what are you playing right now I'm playing. I'm playing three games in three different consoles. So, nice. but right now I'm playing Ades, Ades in Switch. Oh right, okay. 
the roguelike uh, from Switch, which I'm quite tired to die, but quite enjoying as well. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Mix up. I'm not a very roguelike uh, lover, but I, I really love the combat system, which I'm very into to mm-hmm. learn as well. Um, I'm playing Cuphead as well. I mean, Cuphead is a long-term play because I'm in 92% and it's something personal. I want to beat it. I want it to finish. And so it's kind of my daily sacrifice yeah. to the god yeah. of games. Yeah. Um, and I'm playing Street of Rage 4 as well in Xbox. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm quite tired because I'm getting old and my thumbs are really hurting recently. But yeah, but yeah, all these, these, these three games and ah, something else, maybe Link's Awakening with my son. Nice. And that's nice. it. I have several games. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm not in rush to finish them all, just keep playing, keep playing. No, it's yeah. wonderful that you are. I mean, there's there's lots of people. I have, do have guests on and go, I haven't had time, Chris. And then I say, well, what are you planning to play? Because they're busy trying to finish the game off. And that's wonderful. And, they, and then we talk about the kind of games I want to play. But to hear that you've got all these fingers, and it's just like me, my friend, if I may share. I'm, I'm playing a bit of Animal Crossing because, well, you kind of have to. And then I'm playing also Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm like, 90 hours in now? Still not finished? It's like, just... Can we can we stop now? It's like no, we've got more things to do. It's like okay, but it's fine. Yeah. I'm having a whale of a time of it. It's just getting a bit, you know, slog. Uh, and then um, uh, and also playing a lot of um, Binary Star Infinity at the moment, which is a lovely scrolling up and downy lefty righty shooter, which is, which is really yeah. It's mono, it's mono color. It's only got three colors in. It. It's got black, white, and red. It's great. It really moves really really fast. And it's it's fantastic. I love it. So uh, yeah, but uh, Cuphead still haven't tried it yet because I'm terrified. <laughs> I need to. I need to. But uh, yeah, it, it, it scares it's the bejesus out of me. <laughs> well, it's, it's a long term. I mean, it's just take it as something personal. I'm yeah. not gonna keep going. But yeah, it's, it's amazing. The art, as everyone knows, but it's extremely difficult. Really, yeah. difficult. Yeah, yeah. So. That's the end of the first half. Let's move on to the second half, where we delve deep into Narita Boy.
Mm-hmm. So, Ed, before we can talk about Narita Boy, <laughs> we need to find out what it is. Now, I can have a go at describing it. It will be weird and wrong. Not wrong. That's not true. Everything's in the eye of Beholder. So, um, but I would like you, as its creator, what do you think Narita Boy is? Narita Boy thing is a bunch of my own experience, as I said before. Uh, in terms of, of, of what is Narita Boy, it's mm. a kind of adventure game. Uh, it's hack and slash, it's some RPG elements, some metro, retroidvania elements. I will say retro because I prefer the metro. Um, this is what it looks. Uh, this is uh, how we are selling the game. But indeed, Narita Boy is much more than this. It's kind of a story-driven game. It's based on narrative. Um, and it's based on my own experience. In the end, when you create something, you look inside and you find out the material, the footage to make it. But Narita Boy has one of the um, one of the, the elements of Narita Boy is my relation with Japan because my wife is uh, Japanese and I have my, I have two sons. But at the time I started Narita Boy, I just have one. And it inspires me a lot um, how different our cultures are and the result of one person from two different cultures. And it fascinates me, and I and I start exploring this idea. Um, and, and as well, there's a lot of um, I am the creator of the game, but the game is about the creator. So the game is full of mirrors looking at each other. Uh, because, for example, who is Narita Boy? Because the creator borns in Narita. So who is Narita Boy? So. This, this, this is what I like, this type of narrative, meta-narrative, playing, I mean, assuming that the player um, will find out a lot of message and subtext, and this is what I, I like a lot. I mean, this is what I like when I watch a movie or play game, that I got my own interpretations of the world and I discuss with friends about it. So this is Narita Boy as well, a lot. There's a lot of things. Yeah, I want to delve into that now with my first proper design question, because the first one is a design question, which is asking you, what is it? You know, we need now we need to now we know it's a adventure game similar to a Metroid, so Metroid, Retrovania. I like that idea, let Retrovania structure, but it is it is and it isn't. It's, it's more it's more to it than that, but it's a nice shorthand. It's a nice shorthand to describe it that way. But there, what I found when playing through Narita Boy, and I have been, it's, it's, it's an amazing experience, is there is, there's only one word I can come up with, and it is, it's, it's discordance. It feels jarring. It feels broken, not in a bad way, but it's as if the player, it demands the player has to ask questions constantly. And the only way to answer them is to carry on playing. I think I know the answer to this question, but I want you to expand on it is why? Why did you place so much emphasis on the breaking a lot of the traditions of narrative structure to deliver that to the player? Why did you go that way? Because in my case, I mean, I love I love literature, I love movies, I love comics. I mean, I'm just a... I just, uh, 
starving of culture. So what I like the most is when when I experience any type of uh, uh, culture. I mean the book game, whatever. What what I like is that it's it's. For instance, the beginning is not always simple. I mean, I want to engage people to a deep adventure, and that takes time. I mean, uh, yeah, we could start the game, just find you find out the techno sword in one minute and start fighting, but it's not only about fighting, it's um, it's more about the understanding of where where you are and the immersion of the, the, the experience, the, the exploration of this kind of post-fever dream. I mean, yeah, it's kind of discordance because um, I work in that direction. I mean, I want, as as player, I want, and I, and I would like to be surprised all the time. And then, the we, in my case, as creator, um, is what I share with my team, what I wanted to do from the beginning, is that make people uncomfortable in terms that we we, we're gonna surprise them all the time, and they, what they expect, it's not gonna be. Maybe we don't fulfill their expectations, but we don't give you what they want. We give you what they need. So we're gonna create uh, new. So so this 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 is like this is kind of uh, the main the main reason why the game looks so discordant, as you say. Yeah, it's not negative. It's the only way I can describe it. Please don't take that away as a negative. It's no, no, no. Just... I mean, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Taken. Really, really. I understand what you mean. Excellent. Thank you. So, in a related concept or related question, the inhabitants of the digital kingdom, in which you are primarily located in, there's more to it than that, I know, but let's just park it for now. Uh, and it's the realm in which the Rita Boy is set, for the most part. Um, uh, and assume the, 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 the people in that world assume a lot, the player knows what to do. The way they talk to them, going, oh, the Rita Boy's here, great, you know, just do that, you know, just go there. Go there, do this. You know what you know what how to do this. You know what how to, you just do this. It's fine, and it assumes the the player knows what to do. Um, and clearly they don't. And it's wonderful that you do this. How have you found writing the script with that sense of huge amount of prior knowledge, which clearly isn't there? How have you found writing that script? Could you talk us through that process a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I like a lot science fiction and I like a lot when the style um, is very focused on the universe. For example, um, the clockwork orange, I mean, I, I don't know in English the name, the clockwork. For example, the Neuromancer, Neuromancer from yeah. William Gibson, yes, this kind yes. of tone. Um, I, I really like it because it, it brings weirdness already. So if we had a weird ambience, a weird music, a weird uh, dialogues and script, so yeah. that it wraps up in, in that kind of feeling I'm, I'm looking for. Mm. So uh, it's uh, yeah, that, that 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 was my main idea to yeah. this type of cryptic language. I mean, try to spot what is the goals. Pretty much, people can follow the story. But as well, they they can enjoy uh, and and try to believe that yeah. what the NPCs are saying are quite um, real. I mean, it makes sense that the, a computer 
a look-alike human computer could talk like this. Um, because at the same time, I was learning about uh, coding language, and I listened to the coders uh, talking about ideas and concepts, uh, you know, the C++ communication language. So I took it as well as inspiration that because it makes sense, because in the end, it's kind of code make it by a creator. So this is this was the kind of the ex- exercise I tried to, to do um, mainly. Yeah, it's it does remind me a little bit because I can I can code in C plus plus to a point and yeah C sharp yeah this is C sharp yeah 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 only but I understand the, the what you're trying to do there and evoke that kind of strange like very uh, it's not very subtle logic uh, in coding it can't be subtle because if it is it's hard to understand it has to be obvious yeah. it has to be transparent. But when you actually infuse that into the people that occupy this space, this world, that makes it really quite interesting to read. I've found it not at all. Um, I found it to be uh, it drew me into the world more than it would if they spoke in a way that I would immediately understand. And that's what I appreciated about it. And that's why I wanted to raise it as a point to illustrate to the listeners that really what Narita Boy is trying to do is draw you into its world of actually breaking the fourth wall, of actually tearing down the walls and saying, well, here's, this is a game, you're playing a video game, by the way, and that kind of thing. It's, it says, no, I assume you're in this world, you know it, you're familiar with it, get on with it. Yeah. And that's, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about how video games treat people differently and if you treat them with respect you get respect back and this is what Narita Boy does now I want to talk about the visuals because we can't ignore those it would be silly to ignore them because it's so key to the experience and I'm not surprised that you opened up by telling me that you were an animator first and foremost who found himself into what drew towards video games and the level of animation in the Rita Boy is exceptional. It's very, very fluid and very, very detailed. More detailed than, I mean, it's it's up there with, you know, dead cells and things like that. It's quite extraordinary. Uh, and sometimes it exceeds that. Now, how have you found making sure the player is aware of what they're doing and what impact the actions are doing while maintaining this level of visual flair? How have you found making sure that there's a clarity of what's going on while at the same time maintaining the artistic direction of Narita Boy? Yeah, that's a very good question. This is one of the tough parts of of our adventure, which Mm -hmm. I didn't want to make a tile set. Sometimes I I really respect tile sets. They are very kind of... uh, saving your time, but I wanted to make something more art, artistic in this sense. So I, I, I every every stage is hand, all the assets are we, we, you know are make new we create new assets for every stage. So, but in, in this sense, Team Seventeen as well they help us a lot to um, in terms of usability, in terms of um, the people don't lose their goal, where to go, um, the objective. So we, we found out, um, because in my case, I, 
I wanted to go to the um, not will not say go crazy, but just to let the people get lost and find his way. But because it's my style, I'm, but but I understand that it's not appealing for everyone. So um, I learn as well on, on on my way as developer. Um, and with my team, with uh, David, he's a programmer and also game designer. He helped me a lot. And Team 17 helped me a lot to find a balance between the artistic um, and the usability experience for people. So in this it's, uh, teamwork. But, yeah. but the emphasis on art is something like I, I was looking for this from, from the first moment, like music and art. It's part of the immersion, um, and I put all my talent there. I'm just uh, exhausted of drawing so much and animating so much. Really, it's kind of I don't know if I can make it again. <laughs> no, I think the coloring is fantastic. That's what does it for me. I always know where Narita Boy is because he's in a different. He looks different to everything else. Everything else. And uh, that's really quite clever. I'm not sure if he did that consciously or is it something, but it makes sense that he looks so different. And that really helps knowing where you are in relation to the rest of the world. Uh, and it's not, it doesn't, it's not as obvious. And sometimes you go, can I go up there? Oh, look, I can go up there. Because you just, it's again, it's going back to the core philosophy of Narita Boy, which is, Treat the player with respect, and and just don't don't assume that they have to be spoon fed everything. You know, there's lots of games out there that's great for them, and they're mainly made by Nintendo, and that's fine. But if you want to have something a little bit more meat to it, um, then the Rita Boy is the game for you. And again, I'm not gatekeeping. I'm not gatekeeping. If it comes across as that way, I apologise. But I'm just saying that's the kind of game that we're talking about that's something Rita Boy is about so I just want to finish off I know we, we are coming to an end I'm sorry Ed but all good things must come to an end um, so my last question for you is this and uh, again it reflects back to what we said earlier about nostalgia and how that inspired you there is a trend these days and I say these days as if it's you know, a, a thing uh, to Look back at the 1980s as a simpler time. It's constantly phrased that way. It's pitched that way. The 1980s was simpler time. No, it wasn't. Trust me, I was there. <laughs> it wasn't simpler. It was different. It was different. Um, and I think I know. I hope I know the answer to this. In fact, you know. Uh, but how do you think Narita Poi? recognizes this that the 1980s was of another time it wasn't simpler it was just different how do you think narita boy recognizes this that's a difficult question hmm. i mean i mean how it recognizes it i mean hmm. If you ask me, like, um, assuming that the 80s and 90s, they were not easy. Uh, no, so... they weren't. No, no, they weren't easy. They were different. What I'm alluding to is there's a backstory of the creator and what mm. he went through. I won't go any further than that because I don't want to reveal too much. But the player does go through that, go through that person's journey. 
the creator of the Rita Boy. Yeah. And it just reflects on what he got went through. And that's that's what I'm alluding to. Because mm. you don't basically paint it as a rose tinted glasses that we there's a phrase, you know, exactly. looking back on past and going, Wasn't it better then? No, it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the creator. I mean, the, the good thing of the creator is that yeah. um, you're gonna leave. Uh, we can talk about this. It's not spoiler. It's very early in the game that you discover this, so yeah, it's exactly. not a problem. You're gonna, cre- you're gonna, you have to uh, retrieve the memories of the creator. Correct. So the Correct. good thing yes. is that it starts in Narita in the fifties, and you yeah. find out. His father is an American IT, well, IT don't, but kind of the pinball maker. And her mother is a Japanese lady. So the good thing is, more you go through his memories, you're going to travel since since his kid until his kind of deaf uh, game creator. So you want to experience a lot. I mean, my wife and several people who has played Narita Boy, they they just kind of addicted to the memories and the music. My wife cried. I have friends they cry, and this this is what I was looking for something very emotional and very yeah. touchy. And this is one of my favorite parts of the game. I mean, maybe it's an excuse for the red, the combat the exploration, blah, but the, the the main core is to retrieve the memories because I'm I'm explaining a story which is very connected with my own story. Um, and yeah, I mean, looking forward that people experience the memories of the creator. I'm very happy. Yeah, and I I just think it's wonderful, and I just wanted to wanted to explore that and get that out from you. So thank you, thank you for that. It's so difficult to write a question asking that question asking about that because it's so difficult to define. But what I'm trying to say is that uh, nostalgia is a wonderful thing, but really. If you if you remember re- how it really was, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, in the 80s, actually, I'm uh, 32 years old. I mean, I am son of more the 90s, but I got all yeah. the 80s behind because mm-hmm. my brother is older, and I was just eight years old in 1919. But yeah. even though um, I was living the, the kind of the remains of the 80s as culture, yeah. Um, and of course, you may experience the eighties, and they were just as it is. But you know, it's a it's child memories in there. Right? They, it's like when you watch an old TV show that they, it looks amazing at that time, but now it looks just kind of crap. So it, it happens many times. So, but Narita Boy, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of uh, the nostalgia of a child. So yeah, yeah, it, exactly. No, I was a teenager during the eighties, so um, you know. Right in the early eighties, I was in my, I was eleven or twelve. It, it was great to be twelve in nineteen eighty-three. It's great, um, but uh, you know, and this, this is why Narita Boy really spoke to me because there's a lot of the things that in it I recognise personally because I remember living through that, and I can even remember the seventies a little bit because I actually played Pong for the first time in nineteen seventy-six, and also I remember seeing Star Wars. So these are all things that I remember, you know. <laughs> so, so, and you know, and when it came out, I still remember queuing outside the cinema. I was only six. But I still remember it. Um, but uh, anyway, Ed, it's been wonderful having you on the show. We're going to sign off with "It Is Narita Boy" 
Uh, it's developed by Studio Cobra. Yeah. Published by our wonderful friends, Team 17, who are, you know, I've warm feelings for ever since the Amiga days, because I still have two Amigas. Yes. And both of which still work. And uh, it's out on... The platforms are, as I understand, will be... Um, it's on Steam, uh, Windows PC, Mac uh, OS, and it'll be on Nintendo Switch, uh, PS4, Xbox One, etc. All of the things, all of the current platforms, as far as I'm aware, uh, it, it will be out. But Ed, it's been great having you on. Thank you very much for having me. I really have a really good time, and I like a lot of your questions. I mean, it's very good. Thank you. Thank you, and you're more than welcome to come back to chat about whatever new game you've come up with. Trust me, we've had a lot of return guests over the years. A lot. And um, I think our record is four. (laughs) I think uh, that was roll seven, I think. I think I mean, it might inkle. It might be inkle. I'm, I'm not. I need to check. But uh, yeah, they're, they're always welcome to come back. You're pushing against an open door. But uh, yeah, until then, thank you very, very much, Ed. Thank you, Chris. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, canonrince.com. <laughs>